As a believer in Christ, we're called to follow after Jesus and go and make disciples. Upon this, we're called to be fully devoted and true. But what does that look like in our everyday lives, and what does that mean for the church? This is a podcast dedicated to the teaching and discussion surrounding the subject of discipleship. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you wherever this finds you today. I'm so glad to be joined by Scott Stroud for our 12th podcast. Uh, Scott, great to have you on, and uh, and thanks for for being with me. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and a privilege to join you today. Hey, along with your wife and four kids, right? I got that right. That's uh, right. Scott, you uh, serve an AFLC church in Salinas, California. That's a beautiful area. You're not not that far from Big Sur and and. Uh, some of the most beautiful parts of the country, I think. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life right now. <laughs> well, right now with the kids, you know, we're go- we're in real transitional time. My kids are uh, 22, 20, uh, 18, and 16. And so my oldest son, Peter's heading off to the military in about two weeks here. I've got my son, Elijah, who's out of the house. He's up working at a Christian lodge in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And uh, Cassie, our girl, just graduated high school, starts community college here in the fall, Lord willing. Wow. And uh, my youngest, Seth, is 16. So we're definitely getting toward the uh, transition into empty nesting. Wow. And uh, my wife works in education, so that's a, a real challenge right now with uh, COVID. And, you know, as most of you know out there, too, with uh, church life, it's very different. Uh, in fact, just this last week, our governor banned singing in church. And so we had a big council meeting about all of that and what we're supposed to do with all that. And so it's kind of, kind of crazy times right now. Well, like we were talking about before, started the podcast during COVID to try to reach people where they're at. And I'm glad we can still do that. And we have a lot to talk about, but you're right. It, it's it's still and will for a long time coming be affecting our lives with all that's going on. You've been in uh, that Northern California area now for just a little while. It's, it's been a few years. Is that, is that right? Um, yeah. Nine. Yeah. So, okay. So it's, yeah, that, that's quite a few, years, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you are originally from this area though. I'm recording this here in Bloomington, Minnesota. You uh, moved around a ton when you were a kid. We're going to talk about that, but you spent some time in, in the South Metro, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, I was born in Owatonna and then uh, moved back into Minneapolis after I was um, left the military and then um, actually owned a barbershop for uh, yeah. 13 years as a barber for 20 years in uh, on the north side up kind of by Robbinsdale area. So. Oh, sure. That's yeah. that's my, where I, I grew up in the Robbinsdale Crystal area. So so anyway, I didn't even know that about you. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the book that you've written, excellent book. Uh, but these, uh, these podcasts are devotional in nature, and I want to get into God's word first. That's where I like to start. And, and kind of our focus of today's podcast is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfade, unfading, excuse me, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last uh, times. We're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about what that is all about and, and, and 
how, how God can make uh, new life out, out, of, out of brokenness and, and how he can restore um, and, uh, and, and resurrect life. Um, Scott, you've written a book called Get Out for Good. Let's talk about the book, but really what I want to hear is your testimony. Right. So um, I guess the main core of my testimony in the beginning um, would be a typical story of brokenness. Um, and, uh, you know, growing up in a broken home with my mom divorced, my dad left when I was four. Um, I was the oldest of three siblings. And then um, my mom remarried. Um, her second marriage um, added a few more kids from the, the, the husband's previous marriage, my stepdad's um, three other kids from his first marriage, a couple of half sisters. And we ended up moving to Wisconsin and um, it started a real cycle of, of moving. My mom uh, had been sexually abused when she was younger um, by her, her father. And so she had this sort of sense of, not being able to live with men, but not being able to live without them. Yep. And so the, the relationships were pretty volatile. And uh, her solution was to run away from the relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the course of me growing up, we moved 27 times. Um, yeah, so it was, wow. and, and some of the things that that did to me was it, it created in me a, a real difficulty to get to know, um, you know, guys my age. Um, and so my peers, I was always seen as kind of the outsider coming in, maybe a threat or whatnot. And, and so I had a real hard time, um, making friends. And so ended up kind of feeling really isolated, uh, many times when we would move, even though I was glad we'd move away from whatever situation was creating the problems. Sure. Um, but my mom, you know, she kind of, uh, had learned through the years that, um, uh, the best place to find help when she was away from the man at the time was to go to church. And, uh, there were a lot of great Christian people that would, you know, reach out to us and try to help us and see these young kids of hers to really try to get them to, um, you know, be discipled and, you know, mentored and whatever. And then we would move back and then the religion, you know, and the church stuff would kind of fall away. And so interesting how, you know, and, and I hear this so often there, there, there was some, uh, what's the word in, introduction in your life to to Jesus to to church uh, to uh, Bible stuff maybe uh, yeah. and yet there was also such brokenness at, at at home maybe just speak to that a little bit yeah and I would actually say that I was probably saved when I was younger um, you know it, you know depending on what your theology is around that once saved always saved or whatever um, but you know I really felt like the Lord had taken a hold of my life and even spoken to me in seventh grade about pastor pastoral ministry um, so, so yeah. your 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 mother was bringing you to places where they were preaching God's word and 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 yet there was just this difficulty in her life and at home and yeah. And I think what happened for me was like when we would move back in with my stepdad or her boyfriend or whatever, we would quit going to church. And so it kind of told me two things that number one, church was mostly for when you were in trouble. Mm. And number two, that it was mostly for women because I didn't see the men in my life really involved in church. And so um, those two things coupled with all my own internal struggles uh, led to some beginning to make bad choices to try to care for myself or feel something 
in the midst of my teen years when we sort of all make that transition into trying to figure out how, how am I going to face life now? For sure. Yeah. And, and that led you r- really into kind of a life of crime. Is, is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. And that started early, actually. Um, you know, even from the time I was in kindergarten, I remember shoplifting. You know, we were poor and so there wasn't much money for anything. And so I'd go into the local little, you know, candy store or whatever and um, take a candy bar or whatever. And, and so, uh, and then a transition from which like many sins do, it transitioned from the actual thing itself, stealing, to the feeling that you get from doing sure. it. Sure. And so it became like an addictive thing. Like, oh, I stole this thing. How, how big of a thing could I get away with? You know? Yep. And so it became like this challenge and kind of an adrenaline high from, from doing that. Sure. And uh, eventually it actually leads you to uh, one particular crime in which you did some time yeah. for, and you got arrested by Bloomington police, right? He, right here where I am in Bloomington, <laughs> Minnesota. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened um, in, in, in that particular situation. Yep. And so I had gotten out of the, the military and was kind of just floating around, um, still stealing. You know, I was actually stealing from jobs by that time, um, worked at department stores and, you know, restaurants and, and, um, and uh, eventually stole a, a, a car. Um, and then uh, during that time of my life, I was with a, a young lady that, and we were dating and it was getting kind of serious. Although for me, I, I never got really too serious about them. And, but she was getting serious and wanted me to move into an apartment with her, which would have been the first time I'd ever lived with a, a woman. And so um, I didn't have my part of the rent. And I dreamed up this great idea. You know, I'll just rob a restaurant. It looks pretty easy in the movies. And, uh, you know, if I use a toy gun, they really won't think I'm serious, you know, or whatever. And actually, um, in Bloomington there, many of you have probably eaten at the Baker Square that I robbed. <laughs> wow, so, the Baker Square. Yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, within a mile of me right now. Yeah, I didn't stay for the pie, though, so it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I'm glad but, we laughed about it now. <laughs> well, it, it's funny in retrospect, you know, how dumb dumb we are, you know, yeah, and absolutely. how we think we're going to do these amazing, you know, the movies make it seem so glamorous and so you know, that you just go in and you're like Robin Hood taking the poor, taking from the rich and all of this crazy stuff that you're thinking when you're young. Um, But really it was that, that I was very similar to the prodigal who went off and started just making crazy, crazy decisions. You know, he was a child of the father, had known the family life, had known the goodness of his father and yet walked away from that. Boy. Now that, that particular arrest, um, I mean, that clearly changed your life. Um, I know from the book that uh, uh, you soon after the robbery got arrested, got pulled over, got arrested. Thank God. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. Yep. Yeah. And and tell us a little bit what, what happened, you know, next. Yep. So they, um, you know, I left the restaurant there and jumped in my stolen car and um, the manager came screaming out and, you know, I deed it and all that. And you know, it's pretty tough to outrun the radio of a, the police radio. So I, you know, got caught fairly quickly after that in a very short high speed chase, probably one block <laughs> and, um, and uh, went into jail there. And even then I didn't really think, boy, you know, they're going to really throw the book at me or I'm going to do any serious time. I was still in this kind of illusion that, Hey, I'm a good guy. They're going to see that I'm 
not some hardened criminal or whatever. And yet um, I spent four years in um, the Minnesota prison system. And um, as I look back now, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I mean, you were probably going to do that, but uh, why the best thing for you? You know, I think that one of the best things that can happen for people that are in the middle of sin, and this is not just unbelievers, this is Christians as well, because as Christians, sometimes we have these hidden sins and we're just hoping and praying that nobody catches us, you know, that we can continue doing this thing behind the scenes and get away with it. Um, And yet when we do get caught, um, sometimes that's the best, you know, I don't know what it's the best thing that can happen because now it brings to light the thing that's actually going to come to light in the future anyways, in the wow. judgment seat of Christ. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, it was so great for me that I finally, um, the Lord put a stop to my pattern of sin and I had to sit and begin to think about my life. And not only that, he began to bring, uh, Christians inmates mainly that were Christians, uh, along my path and begin to really witness to me. Well, that, that fits really well with First Peter 1, 3 here. Uh, uh, according to his great mercy, I mean, mm-hmm. that's why. <laughs> according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope and, uh, you know, resurrected um, a, a new man, a new person, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and yet there was still so much to come. You know, it, it, God clearly had... Uh, marked out in your life uh, this to uh, to really get your attention to get your heart, uh, but then there was a path in in coming out. The book is, if I haven't already said it, get out for good, a, a practical biblical guide for release release prisoners and their families, and and uh, the outline alone fits so well with uh, discipleship. Uh, get right with God, find a mentor make some friends, beware of romantic relationships, take it slow. I mean, you're discipling just through the book here. Join a good church, acquire accountability, do your devotions, get a job, buy a house, have some fun, become a pillar in society. When you fall, get up, give back, finish strong. Um, What was it for you? I mean, coming out was only, in this sense, the beginning um, well, maybe in prison was the beginning. Uh, take us from there. Well, two years into my sentence, you know, I, um, the, the gal that was with me still had stayed with me those two years. And when she finally, you know, we mutually broke it off saying this is just not going to work. And, and she quit coming. It was kind of my last thing that I was hanging on to in the world, you know, yep. and I was utterly just at the bottom. At wow. that point, which you think I'd be at the bottom of my arrest, but I was at the bottom probably two years in. Interesting. And that's when the Lord really just, uh, and, and it was actually through Romans chapter nine that the Lord really uh, got a hold of me because up until that point, I had really felt like the Lord had dealt me a bad hand. I'm like, Lord, why couldn't I have been in a really good Christian family and raised by a father yep. that loved you and yep. taught me and all of these things. And um, through some friends in prison uh, there, they spoke to me, Romans nine. Uh, who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Well, what does uh-huh. made say to the maker? Why have you made me this way? And so that was my question all the time. Lord, why have you made me this way? Mm-hmm. And so I felt like the Lord finally said, you can either shake your fist at me your whole life about the way you were raised and the cards you were dealt, or you can trust that I had greater purposes for all of these things in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I surrendered and said, okay, 
obviously my way is not working here. God, let's try your way here and uh, surrender my life to the Lord. And That's such an important word for us, Scott, for all of us listening here, because uh, as you know, my wife and I take care of kids uh, who are in crisis situations, many of them who are uh, children, even, even babies, infants of uh, parents who are incarcerated. And uh, it is so difficult for us to communicate to those young little ones and even to uh, their parents, like their, their mothers, even when they come out of prison. Um, you know, most of them are in the situation they are because of their upbringing. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest here. They, yep. they had upbringings that, uh, that, that I know nothing about in, in that sense. Um, and, and it's so hard to communicate. No, 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 God, God can work for the good. And all these, uh, that's not a cliche, but sometimes it sounds a little cliche, but here you have a testimony where you came face to face with it. That's so powerful. Uh, maybe speak a little bit more to that in your own life. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking of Joseph a lot, you know, obviously he was thrown in prison for something he didn't do. And I did what I did, Sure. but it's the same principle because um, you know, what, I mean, his brothers, yeah, they threw him in there cause they were upset, but it, really, it was really Satan, you know, Satan was trying yeah. to, um, throw him under the bus and, you know, take him out and this dream that he had had. Um, and yet God really fulfilled it through the hard thing that he ended up facing. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's so true. It really is the same principle, you know, um, mm-hmm. Uh, God, God has his purposes and, and you talked a little bit about it before, but the fear of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and that wisdom came for you through, uh, men who come along, came alongside of you in, in, in the prison system and, and spoke God's word into your life and those truths and God working your heart, the Holy spirit working in your heart and, 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 allowing you to come to grips with something that you'd been struggling with your whole life. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, when, when the evil one wants to get a hold, he still is going to try to get in there and, and, and say, yeah, "Yeah, but but you, you weren't dealt a good hand, you know? And, and really we, we always, there's that side of the flesh that always wants to, you know, kind of, you know, get rid of the, the human responsibility side. In fact, a lot of what's going on in society today is ignoring that side of things. And, and we're not yeah. going to go down that road, but um, I don't know. Speak, speak more to that too. Why do the nations rage? You know, I mean, the, yeah. they rage because God's causing things to happen that they don't like and they're exactly. raging against him, you know? So. Exactly. Well, I think one thing that I would have mentioned in regard to the book and why it came into being is because, um, you know, when I got out of prison, I found that it wasn't the big major things that really caused me the most trouble. You know, like, hey, I wake up today and I think I'll go rob another restaurant. You know, you don't really come to that conclusion that quickly. Mainly what it is, is you find difficulty in dealing with the day-to-day issues that most people are taught about Mm -hmm. by their parents or mentors at a younger age. Mm -hmm. So like when they're teenagers, their parents are walking them through things like their finances and how to get a job and encouraging them to get out there and work and, you know, helping them through romantic relationships and all those kinds of things. And so I, I wanted to address each of these practical issues to kind of help um, those getting out to know, at least give them a start in how to deal with some of these things so that they don't spiral down. Because let's say, for instance, they can't get a job or they, they lie on their application, then they're found out and they go, oh, see, I can't get a job anyways. Then suddenly that takes them and they start to spiral 
And as they're spiraling, they're reaching out for something. Yep. And typically what they do is they reach out for the old thing that brought them comfort in the first mm -hmm. place before they went in. And so that's the main premise of the book is, you know, what are some practical areas that we can address to help people get on their way? And also it would be a really good tool, I think, and it's being used in many prisons now as this uh, for prison ministries as a tool to do a book study with them and walk them through and talk about these particular issues. But let me just say, too, I, I, you're right, and the book is certainly geared towards that, but uh, it, it's a comment I've made to you before, and, and that is, you know, at, at, at the onset of reading it myself, I, I thought, boy, this would be great for, for the moms we're working with in prison, and, and now I'm thinking, no, I want everyone in, in, in the church I serve to read this. I need to, I need to finish this. Um, I, I want my son to read this. You know, I want the family to read this. It, it's, it's just so important for us all. Um, why is that? Why is this book and kind of what you're talking about, even even just, you know, good life advice in this case, biblical advice? Um, why is it something we all need to hear? I think the main reason, Nick, is because, um, you know, prisoners are regular people. Right. And they deal with the same problems that you and I deal with. Um, they deal with the same issues as they're getting out that your teenage son deals with. Yep. Because many of them, when they go in, they're kind of stuck at the age they go in at, you know, without any training. And so when they come out, even if they're 50 years old or 45 or whatever, they're kind of like 18, 17 year olds that really yeah. need to learn a lot of these practical things about how to live Christian life on the outside. Yeah, that's that's so spot on. Uh, we, we, we see that so often. Um, talk a little bit about, um, was it was it a blessing to be able to, you know, pen this out and, 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 and then a little bit about your heart for, for the ministry. So the sure. book and, and, and your heart for ongoing ministry in the prisons. Yeah, it was kind of in my mind for about 15 years, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I felt like the Lord really prolonged it mainly because certain things needed to be in place. Um, but during the writing, it was very cathartic and anybody who does writing, you know, at a deeper extensive thing, whether the journal or whatever they do, they know how cathartic it can be. And for me, it was going back and reliving those moments of how, why did I succeed in this area? Why did I stay out for 26 years? What were the key elements of that? And um, so as I walked through the writing of it, which amazingly was four months. I mean, I, from the time I sat down and started writing till when the book came out, it was four months. Wow. And I had even had a friend of mine say, you can't do it that fast. And <laughs> there's no way it can't be that you know, good in that a, a period of time. But I just felt like I'd come in. Now, you know, as a pastor, you're pretty busy, right? Absolutely. So the Lord was just waking me up at like four in the morning. I was coming in like writing at four in the morning and right till like eight. And then I'd start doing my pastoral duties and, you know, working all this. And I, the funniest thing was I wasn't even tired. Like wow. I, I wasn't tired during that time. Wow. Uh, it was just like the Lord was giving me this energy and just, and it was, and the neat thing was, is it was just pouring out of me too. It was like, it was already written in my heart. I just needed yeah. to get it out in words. Yeah. And I, I can sense that in your writing and it, it you're, it, it's like, yeah, it was, is, is being incubated if, you know, for a lot of years and, and now, yeah. now you could get it out. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great book. Really. I, I encourage anyone to, uh, listening to this to get get a hold of it, but yeah, and no disrespect to any 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 writers out there. Just uh, no disrespect to any yeah. women, but what it felt like was giving birth. If I could any yeah. anything close to that, it was like this thing that's inside <laughs> of you that's just wanting to yeah. get out. 
Yeah. And then the writing is kind of the birthing process. Not, you know, sure, sure. not that I know anything about how <laughs> that feels or anything, but uh, yeah. so. No, no, I totally get it. So your, your heart for this ongoing ministry too. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And I think even in the midst of Nick, this COVID is, is amazing is that so many prisons and jails have shut down now with yeah. any volunteers going. I was talking to somebody um, that, uh, typically ministers down in Cook County in Illinois by Chicago there. And the prison that they minister in has, you know, f- like four or 5,000 inmates. And right now they have four chaplains dealing with all those inmates. Oh. And they are so dependent upon prison ministries that come in. And I personally believe I've called many AFLC churches. Um, you're an, actually an exception. I think uh, Emmaus is. Um, but it's very rare. I've talked to Randy um, uh, Nelson, who's the evangelism director, and uh, there's not many people that are, are tapping into this. And specifically, the thing I have in mind is uh, men's ministries. So many men's ministries, they have their shotgun shoot, they have their barbecue, they have their garage sale for the mission thing, which is great. You know, it's wonderful stuff. But where's the discipleship? You know, where's the reaching out? And there are so many prison ministries and jail ministries all around us that are hungry for solid theological guys that can come in and really practically walk alongside these. And and that's really what affected me the most was these guys who came in. And and the truth is there is a hunger inside. Uh, There is a hunger in, in, in the prison. Uh, yes, there are hardened criminals who are not sorry, and they don't want you there. But for the most part, um, and, and Scott, please speak to this, there is such a hunger inside our, our, our prisons today for the Word of God. Any pastor out there listening to this uh, podcast today, the most fun fun you'll ever have as a preacher is preaching in front of 150 prison guys. Because especially in the AFLC, we're not the most known for amens and hallelujahs in the congregation. But man, these guys are on fire. They're responding to you. They're encouraging you. And, you know, the same will happen for you in regard to if you go into a prison ministry. Maybe you'll walk in scared, like you'll feel like you don't have much to offer or whatever else. But I tell you, after one or two times going in with those guys, you will be hooked and you'll want to do it for life. Yeah, that, that's no joke. Believe it or not, I think the, the, the most fond memory I have of preaching in any place, um, uh, n- not that I do a lot of, lot of traveling, uh, but a Mexican prison in wow. Baja, California. Um, I've never seen so much fire in, in, yeah. in the hearts of, of these guys. And uh, we had a group of people on a mission trip, and we were invited to go, and, and, and we did it. And I... And man, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, and one of the reasons I bring that up is because um, I, I think you, you, you can relate, Scott. That's not always the case, unfortunately, um, in the communities we serve. We don't always see yeah. that hunger. Um, but when you're broken and your sin has been exposed, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden um, there's a new openness, an openness that the church needs to learn a lot about. Yeah. That's why I wish sometimes, you know, in our congregations, um, we could have like these magic glasses where we put on and we see our own prisons that we've created for ourselves or in the past or whatever. Because these guys, there's no question that they're in prison, that their sin has, you know, caused a lot of major damage and problems. And so it's not, it's not a big leap for them to say, yes, I'm a sinner. 
But for many people, and especially who've been in the church for a long time, who are living righteous lives, who are making good decisions, it's much harder for them to remember, I think, the fact that, yeah, I was in bondage too. And it was, I needed the Lord to set me free. So, yeah, that's so important. Um, I I want to um, close here shortly because we want to keep it to a certain time, but I think there's a couple of topics that maybe we'll, We'll have to, if you're, if you're willing to come on again, uh, we'll, we'll have to address, Scott, because I uh, uh, really want to get the word out, not only about what you've written, uh, but about, um, you know, ministry that, that I have a heart for as well, and, and the importance of discipleship. We need, in, in this sense, all hands on deck from the church, because as you were talking about some of the, you know, men's ministry in churches, um, uh, we don't have to look far to disciple. Uh, I say it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. disciple those who are around you, disciple your children, disciple, d- d- disciple, um, you, you know, your brothers and sisters who, who are next to you, um, in, in church and in your community and your neighbors. But then there's also, um, uh, you know, believers in, in Christ in the Western world just seem to really like the carefully planned out, um, safe life. Um, but God has something more for us. That's the way Jesus lived. And sometimes God calls us as his disciples to go and disciple in places that we're not always either comfortable or familiar with, uh, any thoughts there? <laughs> you know, and I think, I, I think Nick, the thing that I, um, see in the midst of that is sometimes it's not so much a willingness. It's, an uncertainty about where to start. And I think that that's why, for instance, this book and many books that are like it out there um, are helpful to give somebody a place to start. And so let's say you're a guy out there and you think, I'd love to to try jail ministry or prison ministry. You know, take 10 of these books, go in, read a chapter. There's questions at the end of each chapter and it it gives you a jumping off place. It shows you that, hey, I know more than I think I know about these particular topics. Absolutely. And, you know, it'll give you a, a, a bit of a starting place, a template to build on. Because anybody that's been a Christian for more than a few years has something to teach to somebody that's not been a Christian as long as them. That's, you know, so. that's exactly right. Yeah. We, I'm hearing more and more of movements around the world, movements in the Middle East where more and more people are coming to Jesus Christ. And, and it's always about one-to-one discipleship. These, yeah. these um, you know, incredible stories of revival where, where it's, it's, it's in secret, but in mm-hmm. Iran and Iraq and, and other places in the Middle East and, and, and China, um, you know, it, it's, it's one-to-one discipleship. Yeah. Um, we, all, yeah. we all are called to. In fact, that's what we are called to. Yeah. And some people out there, you know, they might, they might be um, in a situation where they can't. And even right now with COVID, you know, we're not going to start a prison ministry today because they're not going to let you in, first of all. And even the ones that are there can't get in. But that's the great thing about a book. You know, a book can get in places where you can't. And there, I know there are hundreds of prisoners right now with my book in their cell that are being reached through the words I sat here at four in the morning in my office in Salinas, California, you know, reaching out to them. And that to me is amazing. That is amazing. And, and what I love about what you've done is that, that this is truly um, a a get out for, 
for good theme that takes that takes the prisoner takes us takes us the reader into god's word because mm-hmm. that's what changes lives yeah it's it's not self-help um no. and it, it's it's god's word and and it that's so clear in the book so i i want to I, I guess i want to make that that clear it's got usually you know the way i i close things out is i I have the guests pray, and okay. uh, w- would you be willing to to pray for us as the listener? And uh, hey, one more thing though, it, if um if if there's something out there, sometimes I close this way too. If there's something out there that maybe you can encourage the, the listener with, just just a, a, an encouragement on your own mind to those who are listening. Someone's out, out on a jog right now, and and uh, we were just in God's word. Um, mm. Someone listening uh, to this, sitting in their kitchen. Uh, maybe some encouragement from you and then just close in prayer. I think I would say that, you know, as we look at the darkness around us and, you know, the scriptures make it clear that it's going to get worse, you know, that Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be an increase of wickedness in the world and um, the love of most will grow cold. And so I would encourage you um, to stand firm, you know, to the end uh, through these times. Um, uh, Ultimately, God is is the winner in the midst of all of this, and he's going to cause us to be resurrected to him into a a most amazing place that we can ever imagine. And so hang in there. uh, Keep plugging away. Keep doing the thing uh, that God puts in front of you day by day. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lord, for each one out there listening today. I pray for your blessing on them. Thank you for Pastor Nick and Emmaus and the witness they are. And even in this realm of prison ministry, um, the moms they're they're helping and dealing with, the children. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, walk with us through these things as we move forward uh, to bring your gospel to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks so much.